Hey guys, welcome in to BDS Sports Wave. We are going to do our week eight pick six no fly zone show, and we might even add a little bonus AP poll basketball come out this week, and we might add a little bonus basketball talk at the end of it. I have, of course, John Hammonds, John Roberts, aka Drink Local Beham. The, the snack guy over here, and Mason Cross is with us as well. So these are the ones that we have, and we're going to talk about um, our favorite, our, our best running back so far this year. That's going to be our pick six topic. Uh, Mason, I'm going to start with you tonight. You want to go all six? You want to go three and three? How you want to do it? Uh, I can do whatever you guys want to do. I have them ready. However you want to do it. We can go three. We can go three. All right. That's cool. So which three you want to give us to start with? On All right. So six best running backs of the season so far. I'm going to give you my top three. My right. top three, I'm going to go uh, number one is B. John Robinson. I mean, I don't know. There's arguments about if he's the best one, but he's my favorite. Texas. Uh, my sec- Yeah, Texas, as yeah. much as it shames me to talk about that. Right. Um, my number two is a toss-up. If I'm going best or favorite, my second favorite to watch is Deuce Vaughn. Uh, he's small. He's quick. He makes the Kansas State offense what it is. He's really fun to watch. All right. And then number three, I'm going to go Tucker. I like his style. Syracuse. I like his attitude. Yes, sir. Yeah. Sean Tucker. Yep. Yeah, he's a – I think he's the best running back in the ACC, but we'll see if everybody agrees with me or not. I think he's the best in the ACC. Yeah. Um, coming full picture, though, I'm not not quite sure he's beating out Bijan, but I, I like him in the ACC. Right. All right. Um, let's go with John Roberts next on this one. Who you got? Who's your top three running backs for the season so far? All right. So my favorite one, and I'm really just going to go with, um, favorites here. So this is going to be, uh, one that, uh, should surprise nobody. One, we'll, we'll start off with Tank. Okay. Um, you just, I love watching him run. I hate the fact that they don't give it to him enough and that they don't have necessarily a line because he's also one of the worst as far as the, the, I think there's a, there's a stat of like, um, yards before contact. Right? Right. Yards before contact. I think he runs point four two an average of point four two yards before he is hit for the first time. Which I don't know about you, but that seems like not a whole lot. So less than a foot and a half? Yeah. Less than a foot and a half before he's hit. Okay? Right. Well, he's got five hundred and twenty four yards on uh, I believe what was a hundred and twenty something 
carries, 124 carries, and I think it was 20 carries and 179 of those yards came in the last game against Ole Miss. Right. Before that, I mean, he was doing a whole lot of nothing. Because well, they I weren't mean, a couple of games him. he had like 10 carries or something. So. Correct, which I think is dumb. So, But I think if they would feed him, he would have more, and he'd be a lot higher up than like the number 42, you know, running back in terms of yards. Right. So he's very low on the list, but he's up there just because he's, he's on my team, and I love it. Um <laughs> Another one, and I'm going to shout out a local team here, is going to be McBride from UAB. Uh, Dwayne McBride, and that dude just is a hoss. He just – UAB has always been more of a running-type team. This year, they're they're actually more spread out. Um, they, they do a lot of both, but McBride is the bell cow for UAB, and I – Thoroughly enjoy watching UAB. I always have the UAB game somewhere on my TV each week when I'm watching uh watching these games. Right. Um, and then I'm gonna go with uh, Quinshawn Junkins from Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah. Yes. Because I just think he's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> so. I think he's. Probably should be on people's list. I mean, he's he's one of the top running backs, I think. Oh yeah. So that's the that's three right there. All right, Hammonds. Which which one are you gonna name? You gonna name your favorite? You gonna name the best? What are you gonna name? I'm gonna go a different route, but I'm gonna stick with Bajan Robinson um, from Texas. He's number one. He's just I think he's far and away the better running back um, in the country, really. Um, number two, I'm going to go Blake Corum from Michigan. Um, I think Blake Corum and the Donovan Edwards combo is a really good running back Dana. Um, even Edwards would be in that um, fold as well. But in third – I'm going to go a place nobody's even talked about. is Chase Brown from Illinois. Um, he's got the most yards right now. He's – and, you know, and and they're winning, but they're winning ugly. Um, and that's fine. But eventually they're going to run into a problem, you know, down the road because I just don't – even if they win the Big Ten West, I just don't think they have the – have the firepower to beat Ohio State or Michigan. But I just like how he's coming on this year, Chase Brown. You know, they're they're running the football, they're playing good defense, but it's been ugly. Um and that's how Brett plays, their their coach, Brett Bellema. That's just how he plays. He played that way at Wisconsin. He played that way at Arkansas. But if it gets you wins, who cares, right? Right. So those are my three. But um, and I'll go first on the last three if you want me to. Okay. And the last three, I'm going to go Sean Tucker. Um, that's number four. Okay. Um, I think Sean Tucker is a back that nobody really knows about. Um, well, they know about him, but he's, he's hidden in the ACC in a league that's pretty much dominated by Clemson and pretty much that's it. 
And, uh, but they'll find out about him Saturday. He, I think, you know, Clemson, Syracuse goes to Clemson. So this would be a big chance for him to play on the big stage. Um, five, I'm going to go Kendra Miller from TCU. Um, he's a really good running back. Um, you know, they do a lot of throwing the ball, but he, he's a big part of their offense as well. So, and my, my last six, my sixth one was a tie and it was between Tank Bigsby and Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky. Um, I think I'd have to give it to Tank. But you also would have to give it to Chris too, because both of them don't, both teams don't have really a good offensive line to begin with. Um, but that, but they make yardage out of nothing. And that's what I love about those two running backs. You know, they could, they could have the worst line. And at the end of the day, they still make things happen with their, with their strength and with their running abilities. So those are my ties, um, at six, but. Zach Turbonnet from UCLA would have been another one, but, you know, those are probably, probably my six. Okay. Well, John Roberts, you want to go yep. next? Yep. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, I just like watching him run. He's speedster, went to Georgia Tech, and then now is at Alabama. Uh, he's just really good. Um. Uh, and then, uh, number five, uh, I like watching because I'm going more just on who I like watching Rocket Sanders. I like watching Rocket Sanders. He is. Yep. So Raheem Sanders, he's actually the number three overall in yardage. He's got a hundred, uh, 870, uh, yards and seven touchdowns, 140, uh, off of 140 carries. Um, but yeah, him and uh and the quarterback doing most of the the carries for uh, for Arkansas, but um I really like watching watching him and then uh the last one is uh um sorry, lost his name here. Uh Israel Ebenikanda. I I can't say his name. The pit running back. <laughs> right. I've always got pit on, uh, on, uh, on TV as well. Uh, there's another podcast I listen to that just, they, they absolutely love having, uh, pit and, uh, I mean, they, they will, they will talk about Tennessee, but pit's kind of their secondary team. And it's, uh, it's fun listening to these guys. And so I always just pay attention to Pitt for whatever reason. Right. And with doing so, you know, you get to see some of the some of the players that they produce over the last couple of years. So right. this is one of them. Okay. <laughs> yep. Mason, you started it. Now you get to finish it. So who's your next three? Uh, so I guess number four would be Quorum from Michigan. Um, he's an explosive back. He is a ball. Hog. I mean, not really sure. He has 146 rushing attempts. Uh, they lean on him quite heavily. Um, right. After that, 
I think I'm going to go Gibbs. I like watching Gibbs play. He's always one cut away, even on SEC defenses for being 75-yard touchdowns from a touchback. I like the way he runs. I like his uh, style. And then my six, I'm going to shout out my man from Oklahoma, Eric Gray. He's averaging 7.2 yards carry. Um, he's really came into his own this year from the last few years that I've watched him play, not even just for Oklahoma. He's gotten bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, and he's just made Oklahoma's offense a little bit more complete in the running back room this year. Uh, but, yeah, I don't really have much explanation on that, but those are my uh, my bottom three there. All right. Well, I mean, Hammond's mentioning – I'm going to have to mention Chris Rodriguez. I mean, the dude is a beast. Like – he carries people, he carries piles four or five yards. His legs never stop. And they're, I mean, always, they're always moving. I mean, never stop. And, and when I say never stop, I'm not talking about just the moving. He's, his legs are constantly driving. And Tank you know, Bigsby's the same way, though. And you, and you like, I mean, there'll be like four players on him and he's moving the pile and it's just, it's actually pretty amazing. The kid's a beast. So, and I um, think Tank. I think I think Rodriguez is bigger than Tank. So, yeah, talking about somebody that can actually. He is, but at the same time, <laughs> Tank, Tank still does what Rodriguez does, but he does it in a different way. It's just Correct. weird. It's yes. weird to say Chris Rodriguez is biggest bigger than Tank. I mean, Tank should be big, right? <laughs> I mean, with the name Tank. Should be, yeah. Should <laughs> That's be. all I'm saying. Yep. <laughs> all right. So we do a our next segment. We do one called No Fly Zone, and we usually do uh, topics. And these topics, we say whether or not we're going to fly or no fly with these um, topics that we do. Questions that I do on these topics. So, Mason, you wanted to do um, the targeting calls. So. There is, in my opinion, quite a bit of inconsistency in college football this year. Do you think that the um, targeting calls in college football has been inconsistent this year? Oh, very inconsistent. I mean, that's not even a question. And then it just needs to be, I mean, I don't know. I've seen some of them that I'm like, that's targeting. And then some of them like that's not targeting, and they would get called the opposite way even after review. Right, and and you know, and then they'll call it on the field, and it'll clearly be targeting. And then after review, they'll reverse the call, and you're like, what's? I don't I don't get what's, you know, um, they did that in the Florida game with with Levis, and mm-hmm. he clearly got hit up under the chin in the helmet up under the chin and drove to the ground and they called it and then they reviewed and come back and said that it wasn't. And it was just, I mean, if that wasn't targeting, then I don't think there is targeting. Exactly. And I think that if you let the refs call it as they see it, instead of going to review, they're going to get it right. 80% of the time. It's just, I don't understand half of the reviews, what they're looking at and what their mindset is. I think the rule itself, it needs to be way more defined. And if you're not going to call it targeting, illegal contact to the head, I mean, we need something here because what I think is targeting, that doesn't get called. And then I see a 
quarterback get hit or something and their shoulder pads and it's targeting. And I'm like, what? I'm so confused. The enforcement, you know, of the rule has become so subjective too. Like it's difficult to know what constitutes a foul and an ejection. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's like, like Brad says, the inconsistencies that made it really hard for the fans and coaches to know what is and what isn't, you know, it, and I'm not sure. And people say, well, what's the answer to it? I'm not sure you not really know if there's a clear one. You know, the officials have a difficult job as it is in real time. You know, and, and different crews vary when, uh, when they're on the field. Um, some call more targeting fouls than others and especially the replay officials. Um, it just depends on how the rule is interpreted. Um, but to me, the main objective is safety, but the only way to ensure that is to enforce these tackling rules. And, and it shouldn't have to be interpreted, though, in my opinion. If you're ejecting a player from a game or the half of the next game, we shouldn't have to interpret what targeting is. It's either no, targeting I agree. or it's and not, especially if we're making kids miss their games because they got, a, they got high. They got a little high on a hit is different than lowering your head into the temple of a defensive player. I mean, it just all comes down to what is targeting. Another <laughs> right. thing, I mean, it was yeah. supposed to be leading with the crown of the helmet, right? That's what it was supposed to be. To yeah, a defenseless player, but then if your quarterback starts running, technically he's yeah. not defenseless, but if you still hit him in the temple on purpose with your helmet, then it's just that's where it all comes down to mush. Another thing, too, is – I feel like, you know, if the, if the first time you should get a warning and the second time, if you do it again, I think you should be ejected and sit out the next game, the first half. I think you're, you're giving the kids an unfair advantage by ejecting them right off the bat, which sometimes they're not even meaning to hit them that way. It's just the way they come out. And sometimes they're, they're intentional. Yes, but there's some where they just, it's just how they tackle and, and there's no way or no way around it to know that, you know, Hey, this guy did this intentionally or this one didn't. And it's just, it's just a bad rule all the way around. It needs to be fixed. Even Mark Stoops, the Kentucky coach was complaining about after the Ole Miss game, you know, he said, what, what, what's the rule anymore? Like, what are we, what are we trying to do as, you know, officials to, to change this rule and make it better for the athletes? Exactly. And it comes back to, well, my teammate hit him the same way. He didn't get ejected. I got ejected. It's just, it's crazy to <laughs> right. all the different variations. Like, look, there was, there was, I make jokes a lot of times with, um, as far as during games or anybody that's in the, like the Auburn Twitter will, will get this one a lot more than when, you know, anybody that's not and doesn't pay attention. But there's a guy that played for Auburn over the last four years, not this year, but, the the previous four years the smoke monday and that guy used to get thrown out for targeting almost every game and some of the hits yes were targeting but there were a few of them where you're just kind of going like what on god's green earth is this this is not this is this is not targeting there's no way how do you how do you define this? You know, whatever it is. So, I mean, the whole running joke is, you know, ah, smoke money just got thrown out for targeting, you know, and I'm just, you know, if, if I say it for anybody that's in Auburn, 
they'll know exactly what it is that I'm that I'm throwing out there. But it's it's so I mean it's so subjective as to what it is. But like there were a few times I mean I love it when, when people really get into it about it, especially when like it's it's clearly not targeting. Like there were there were ones during the Bama game that were not targeting. And you know, they threw the flag on it and then they, they, they checked it and it wasn't targeting. And that was the one that probably could have been roughing the quarterback because it was a late hit. You know, you probably should have thrown the flag on that, but not necessarily uh not necessarily targeting um where I mean it, it wouldn't have been targeting. It would have been more of just a roughing the passer or a, a late hit or something like that. Uh, and that's mainly just because he hit him late, not necessarily because of where he hit him and how he hit him. Um, because it was a shoulder that came across and their face mask glance blows. You know, so that doesn't really count as targeting. Uh, because the head was up, he didn't lower the head. Um, but, um, there are others where you just sit there and you're just like, you know, the guy clearly launched himself at, you know, at the player. That is a targeting, you know, whether he hits him in the head or not. If he goes high, he hits him in the shoulder, you know, using the shoulder, but he clearly was launching and he was trying to hit in the head. He just missed his target. I mean, you can call it for intentional, you know, just for the intent because you can tell what the intent is that that at least on that. You can, but not necessarily, you know. Well, so a whole lot of these, the play, the 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 offensive player lowers his head, right? And in that case, the defensive player who is, you know, trying to do the best he can to come in and tackle the proper way, a lot of times gets caught up and. Because the offensive player leads and lowers his head, and then and see and and that's that's and then they you, get and then they to, and then they get targeting called on them. Yeah, you you have to you have to at that point you can't you can't rule that guy a defenseless a defenseless player because that would be a ball carrier, an offensive player that's doing that. Right, and whether I it's mean, a quarterback, a running, running back, back, wide receiver, yeah, a running back that goes a through the, a running back that comes through the hole is going to lower his head. Especially if they're diving, you know, say for the goal line or something like that. And then you, when they go low, you have to fight, figure out a way to hit the guy, you know, so you are diving at them. They all of a sudden lower their body and lower their head. And what your target mark was mid, you know, mid abdomen. And all of a sudden head is now in your strike zone. And you end up going head to head with the guy and you launched yourself, but you were launching yourself again to form tackle a guy that was standing upright at the time that you launched yourself. And you can't like they expect you to be able to somehow suddenly adjust how you're in in mid flight in mid flight. Yeah. That's not. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's ridiculous. You can't like, you're you're taking video and you're slowing it down to a point where you can't sit there and go that person knows what they're doing at the moment they're doing it 
And that happens because, all the time. It's called all yes. the time. Yes. Now that is where it gets really ridiculous, you know, as far as when you're throwing it. Because person was going to make a a textbook tackle the way that they're supposed to do it, the way they've been taught to do it. Right. But when offensive player with ball drops drops their head down, and, lowers and, their body and launches what towards should, them. Which, which is what they're taught to do, you know. They're taught to lower, you know, make the point of con, you know, make make their target smaller, you know, make the target smaller, get small, right? Get small, get small. Well, when you lower your, you know, when you lower your body, then you've lowered where the strike zone, or you changed where the strike zone is, and it gets just really hard for somebody to be able to. So what you do y'all know. think about Hammond's idea, like the first time is, say, a 15-yard penalty instead of being tossed out? Well, I mean, look, I do like – I mean, I, I, I like the idea of having some form of way where you you have a – maybe where there is a penalty but not necessarily an ejection or maybe a level one, level two, you know, where you have, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, running into the kicker versus roughing the kicker, right? So level yeah. one, level two, the level two or, or whatever one you want to deem as the the, uh, the higher one. grade one, right. you know, the worst one, is the one that gets the, that, that has the ejection. You're still going to have to have some form of, you know, probably review on that but you know at least level one could be kind of like what you're talking about if you have two level if you have two level the, the lower level ones it's an ejection anyway so it's like a yellow flag you know right. yellow card for, for for soccer two of those equals a red card right but the level the, the 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 more severe level is just an immediate red card t- tosses you right then so, I mean, that would be what you sportsman like conduct penalties and you're thrown out of a game. Mason, you want to chime in on this? So, if you have two, I was going to say, I, I like the, uh, I like the first, you know, the first one's a flag, but you have to have, like he said, you have to have two levels of the targeting though. Cause I mean, otherwise a quarterback's just burning you all game and you get one guy that gets mad and he's like, Oh, I can solve this issue and only get 15 yards. If I just go in there and, Right. Hit him as hard as I can in the head to get him out of the game and give us a chance to win. I'm not saying that players would intentionally, yes. but if you get somebody, you know, hyped up in a national championship style game, say, and you only have the one targeting and he gets 15 yards for his first one. I mean, right. Some of those players might just take it upon themselves to go and take out the quarterback while we lost 15 yards. Quarterback's not in the rest of the game. Right. I, I agree with the two level system. That would be a lot better of a way to do it. And then, like, what about reviews on every single one of them? I mean, you're gonna have to at some. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna need to, or otherwise, I mean, you may end up getting some really bad calls. Because I mean, you're you're talking about now we're talking about again somebody getting tossed and somebody not getting tossed. You know, now they throw a flag for targeting. What they what they probably would do is throw it for targeting, and then assess the level one, level two based on video review. Right. Which, again, 
I mean, yes, it takes time and it slows momentum down and it really sucks, but I don't know. I don't know of a better way to eliminate that. You know, well, I think at some point too, some of the people that are reviewing that could have played football themselves. Because I don't know if right. all these people that review it have ever played football. I mean, I don't know if they don't understand that you can't just adjust yourself mid-flight. Right. And then Correct. part of that comes into that too. I mean, look, I played sports, but I didn't play. I didn't play any sort of level of organized football. But you know, I've been watching it long enough to understand. And I, you know, again, playing sports, I understand what, you know, what it takes to to play that sport. But it doesn't necessarily mean I, you know, that, that, that's why I can sit there and I can empathize with the player on this. Like, yes, you, there, it's extremely difficult to change your motion once you start going. I mean, you it's know? a split like, second. How How is somebody supposed to do that? I mean, it's a split second. You take off right. like that and you're... In oh, yeah. air, it, I mean, it's a split second. That's all it is. And it's just impossible to change your, exactly. you know, to completely change how you, your motion that you've already taken off to do. Um, so, Hammonds, you, you want to add anything to all this? Finish it up? No, I think we covered pretty much what you wanted to cover. So Yeah. I just wanted to check back with you. Yeah, so, you know. I will say this. I was looking at some Vegas odds for next week. Um, there was a, like five or six that's already open and Tennessee opens as a three and a half point favorite over Kentucky for next week. Yeah. Three and a half is awful low in my opinion. I was going to say that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. it. Wait, where, where is, where's the game? It's in Knoxville. It's in Knoxville. I think what they're accounting for too is a lot of times playing, you know, an emotional game and a, you know, well Tennessee does play what was a four quarter game like they did. So that, huh? I said Tennessee does play a game this. You're talking about. Right, yeah, but oh, okay. So th- this this Kentucky game is not for not not this week. It's next. No, week, it's right? next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then never mind. Yeah, Tennessee's playing UT Martin this week. I I That's know who they're is. playing, but they they yeah. do play a game. Right. I just think it's I just think it's awful low. I, think, I mean, yeah. I it, actually I would I would be more in agreement or 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 understand the three and a half if that game were this week. Versus that game being next week. I figured, I, I honestly think it'll be bet to like a seven point or something by the time it's a, the game comes. Yeah, it may, it, I mean, it may swing after, after this week or once you get closer. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. just think, you know, I think they look at the fact that Kentucky pretty much hung with them last year with pretty much the same team, except for a couple of receivers. And, you know, that, and, yeah, and the way Kentucky the <laughs> and the way Kentucky plays, and the way Kentucky plays, where they grind you out and play defense and such, um, I think they're taking into account that you know Tennessee might not get as many touches on offense as they normally would get with the way Kentucky you know runs the football and such. Well, the way Tennessee plays 
you know, the their their offensive strategy is they may score in just two plays or three plays. You know, they they play, you know, just where they just they take you know, uh, you know they 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 have haymakers, you know, whenever you know, throw up haymakers, you know, just at any point in time, and it might be the first play, third play, fourth play of a drive, but they're just they're going to continue to chunk them up there, and they may get a pass interference that could some fifteen yards and a first down. They may get an actual completion, or they may loosen up the defense, even if even though it may be an incomplete pass. You know, I guess the only thing that's the the worst thing would be is that if they throw interceptions while they're doing that. But for the most part, they're just kind of throwing out the odds that they're not going to. So, right. Yeah, the, the, Kentucky's got to be able to to keep up with that all game long because they're relentless doing that. And uh, the game that Harris is talking about from last year, it was 45-42, so. Right. Well, yeah. I, you know, I mean, again, last year they have uh, – it just seemed like their offense was maybe more explosive last year. Or was Kentucky's more explosive? Whereas this year they not really seem like they 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 are scoring at the same pace. They're not. Yeah. Yeah, they're not. So, I mean, it it look Tennessee's defense is not great. So, I mean, it doesn't mean that Kentucky couldn't score that much on them. It's just you know they've got to be able to stop. I mean. The name of the game is Stop Tennessee Twice. <laughs> Stop them twice, but you've got to continue to score with them. You've got to go toe-to-toe with them. So. All right, Hammonds, I'm going to give you the floor on this one. So that new AP basketball, college basketball poll come out this week, and I'm going to give it to you and let you do kind of a rundown um, and list the top 25 for the AP poll. Okay. Um Number one was North Carolina. Number two was Gonzaga. Number three was Houston. Four was Kentucky. Five was Kansas. Six, or actually Kansas and Baylor were tied for fifth and sixth. Um, so Duke was seventh. Eighth was UCLA. Nine, Creighton. Ten, Arkansas. Eleven, Tennessee. Texas. Thirteen, Indiana. Fourteen, TCU. 15 was Auburn, 16 was Villanova, 17 was Arizona, 18th was Virginia, 19 was San Diego State, 20th was Alabama, 21 was Oregon, 22 was Michigan, 23 was Illinois, 24 was Dayton, and 25 was Texas Tech, and number 26 that just missed the polls was Texas A&M. The disrespect to Illinois on that list. I agree with you. That was a little little out there. All right. So, Mason, who else? What do you have to say about the AP poll that he just read off besides Illinois not being there? Well, I like it. I mean, Illinois is there. They just have a lot better team than being ranked that low, in my opinion. Right. Um, 
North Carolina all last year didn't play good until March Madness, which I guess when it comes down to it, that's all you got to do. Right. You just got to win your games in the tournament. I like that they're number one. I love watching North Carolina. Just not 100% sold on that number one spot, especially if you look at the next, what, four, five, six teams below them. Continued success. Um, but I don't know. That Illinois ranking is just – they're playing with a chip on their shoulder all year. They have to. Right. All right. John Roberts, what do you think about the AP poll basketball that come up this week? I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, look, uh, North Carolina, it seemed like North Carolina had a, what, what's to be a down year, you know, through most of the season. They did actually, <laughs> but they did catch fire. Um, but, uh, and then of course, I mean, look, you've got Gonzaga that's been, you know, close to the top of the, the polls for the last, what, almost like what decade at least, yeah. right? I'm not so sure. Not more. I'm not so sure Gonzaga though uh, is not as good as they was last year. Gonzaga is always ranked really yeah. high and then they always play a good team in March Madness and they seem to fall apart, but I'm going to chime out after that. <laughs> Well, I mean, with Gonzaga, yeah. they, their schedule, they don't play the teams that that the North Carolinas and the Kentuckys and Kansas and Dukes and Michigans, and they don't play the teams that they do. So throughout the year, I mean, no. the conference I mean, like, look, stuff, look, you get it. You know, they, I just don't think they're as yeah. tested when March Madness rolls around. No, they're not because, I mean, like, look, even, like, teams like Alabama went up to – Seattle and didn't they beat them last year in Seattle? Yes. And Bama and Bama so was that's average. I mean, had a you know not good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They were average. They were an average. They were an average team that traveled all the way across the country and beat them in their place. Not really in their place, but it was pretty much like a home game for right. for Gonzaga. I'm just kind of and. But, I was kind of shocked that Arkansas uh, was but, that well. You know, Houston, Houston's been pretty good. You know, Kentucky, Kansas, Baylor, Duke, UCLA, those are all good basketball programs. And you got Arkansas, Tennessee, and, uh, you know, I don't know about, I mean, is Texas going to do anything? Are we really? They have a good, they have a good recruiting class. Okay, and they, on paper they should be able to do things. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. On it's kind of like, like who else? But who else in the Big Twelve is going to challenge him? But Baylor. Like, Texas yeah. is kind of running that conference with Baylor this year until Texas doesn't. Basically. Right. And then uh, uh, this is Auburn's highest, I think, starting point, and which. Like I'm all for them being ranked this high. This is the highest that they've started out the season. We'll see how that actually works out. I mean, they've been uh they're they're actually supposed to be pretty good, uh, even better than last year, even though last year I mean they had a you know uh I mean they did lose know, a little bit. Jabari Smith. Yeah, they did, but they gained a bunch of recruiting. And they already played uh They've already gone over to Israel and played a few games, so they're actually uh, at least somewhat tested 
you know, and they haven't even started the season or even done any other kind of preseason, like in the, uh, you know, going and, uh, and playing a couple of these preseason games or whatever. So, uh, they've, uh, they do look pretty decent with what they've got, but we'll have to see what they, what they do against, you know, some really good competition. I mean, so. I'm with Hammonds. I think Arkansas has got like a heck this. of a team. And I'm kind of surprised. Yes. What, what is Arkansas? Tenth, Hammonds? They're tenth. Yeah, they're tenth. And I really was surprised that they was that low, to be honest. Um, I felt like they right. should be at least top five, at least. But I mean, like, that's kind of, that's one of those where it's like, they're tenth, but, I mean, it just depends on, like, who you want to put them in front of. Like, who is it that that, that you, you, you really feel really good about putting them in front of? I think this one's just kind of a more of a result of, okay, they've got everybody that they think is supposed to be really good, but for whatever reason they want to put, you know, again, I know Arkansas is a blue blood for basketball, but they're putting – the other blue bloods in front of them. Right. <laughs> Just name for whatever reason. I think it's name made name recognition put, put those teams in front of Arkansas. So who is it that you're willing to put the team in front of, I guess? <laughs> right. I mean, so. you know, Duke's what, seven? Isn't that what Duke is? Right. I think so. So they would be, uh, they would seven. be yeah, they're, they're seventh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And just in yep. recognition, I I couldn't have a good faith rate Arkansas above Duke preseason. I I agree. That's what it comes down to, though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I mean, which is kind of why, like, I don't think anybody would. And and look again, this is Auburn's highest ranking. But there's nobody in their right mind that would put Arkansas, uh, put Auburn in front of half the teams that are in the top ten. So even if maybe possibly they ultimately get high in preseason, nobody's going to do it. So and I understand that. So being where they are, I'm cool with where they are because look, if they do what they're supposed to do, they'll 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 make it into whatever ranking that they need to be in. Well, the SEC's got, what, five or six teams in? Uh, Let's see. Arkansas, Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, and Kentucky. So, yeah. Yeah. Two, three, four, five. Five. So. Right. Yep. So it's going to be a pretty challenging league, probably. I mean, I would think. Um, Andy Katz, he put out a list. Yes, uh, and with, especially with a with a, I mean, you have Texas A and M who just missed it. Right. That's sitting at uh at number twenty six. So that's six in the top twenty six. And then, I mean, you got to think with Florida. I don't know how like what Florida's supposed to be like, but Florida's not in the ranking, and they're typically. A decent team. Missouri's not in the ranking. They, you know, generally have a decent team. Vanderbilt's not in the ranking. 
you know. And then, uh, so, and, and nor is LSU. So these are teams that at some point in the season generally crack the top 25, and they're not in the ranking to start the top 25. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what those those teams are going to look like, but I would think that at some point, you know, they're going to make it in there and that this team will – or that this league will be – even tougher or, you know, on paper. Well, they, uh, I don't, Andy Katz, um, put out a list of some of his breakout stars and here's just a few of them. Uh, Chris Murray from Iowa, his brother, his brother played, his twin brother is now with the Kings. Um, I think Chris Murray is going to be a really good ball player. Um, they got Mike Miles on there from TCU. Um, in my opinion, he could be the Big 12 Player of the Year by, by this year, by the season's over. Um, that's a that's a top 10 TCU team, in my opinion. Um, I feel like they was kind of, you know, gypped on the top 15 rank, top 10 rankings. Um, Adam Flagler from Baylor, um, you know, he was on the Baylor championship team two years ago, but he was a role player then, but He'll probably be the feature, featured guard now. So, um, the one that kind of stood out to me was, um, trying to see here, Julian Strother, um, from Gonzaga. You know, Timmy, he's the main guy, but I think you're going to see a lot of what he, what the, what's the guy that played for Gonzaga a couple years back in the Final Four. Um, you know, he played two years played, ago when they probably should have won it all. Is that what you mean? Yeah, he he played on that the one that made the incredible shot. Um, I can't think of his name, but he was he was their featured guard, and I think he'll he'll slide into that role that that he did there for a while for Gonzaga. Right. You know, I expect Gonzaga. I mean, you know. Every year people talk about Gonzaga being too high and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. But in actuality, I expect them to run through the season, and they probably won't have very many losses. They play probably three or four or five games early, you know, non-conference. That'll be a challenge for them. Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs. Kentucky's going to be one of those games this year. They play Kentucky. um, And – you know, they'll have four or five games non-conference. They'll probably win, uh, you know, two or three of those. They play and, Michigan State, um, I think, second game. They play, they play Texas. Um, then they play Kentucky, and they play Baylor. Right. And then they then they play kind of a out of, you know, in the out in the West kind of game with Washington, which I don't, I don't know much about Washington yet until we get into the – the so Pac-12 and all into the season, but right. then they also play Alabama, which is at Gonzaga. Um, so, you know, and then you got the schedule um, that they have with, you know, the the West Coast Conference, and, and it's usually really, a, hand, a a team or two in that conference that will challenge them, and that's usually it's usually it's St. Mary's and BYU. A lot of times, right. it's. And a lot of times it's usually St. Mary's. Right. And there's and I usually, so. like I said, one or two teams that will challenge them, and the rest of them, they just run over them. 
So, yeah. you know. And San Francisco gave them a pretty tight game last year, but they never could finish the deal, so. Right. Right. So what I'm saying is, is if they can split some of those early games against, you know, um, the top teams and stuff, because they have about four or five or six of them, if they can split those, then they're all season long, they're going to be in the top 10 because they're just not going to be challenged enough to maybe. Yeah, their conference schedule is just not that great. Right. Like I said, you know, like I was saying, there's one or two teams within the conference that's worth a dang. So they get challenged early. Then it's, you know. And then they coast. They coast. They, and, yeah, they coast. They coast through the and season, then, and then they have to, then they have to get ramped back up and try to crank it up again. Yeah, and yeah. that's what happens to them so, just about every year. Yep. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, ACC wise, how many whereas, ACC teams is in the top twenty-five? I know North Carolina, Duke, North Carolina, Duke, and then I know Miami was just outside. I think they were like twenty. Seven, um, but North Carolina, Duke, and that might be it on the ACC. Big Ten, you got Michigan, um, Illinois, Illinois. The ACC preseason poll came out today, and North Carolina was picked first. The top five was North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Miami, and Florida State. Okay. And they had Notre Dame come. Oh, Virginia's in the Virginia's in the top twenty-five. So there you go. There's okay. the other so the third three. ACC school. So I'm kind of shocked that yeah. Louisville so so down twelfth. I think Louisville's gonna be better than people think. Right, right. Well, man, and then Florida like State first year head coach, has been so. pretty decent the last few years. Yeah. Florida State has been pretty decent the last few years. And I, what I'm surprised. And the thing that gets me is. You know, they pick Syracuse to finish eighth, and then Syracuse goes on this little mini run every single year in the conference tournament and the NCAA tournament, and they and they shock everybody. And you can't underestimate Jim Beheim. He's one of the better coaches in the country, and a lot of people right. don't realize, you know, with, with the roster that he's got, you know, he does more with less, less with more, however you want to say it. Right. He, he, he brings in guys, and he he had that one year. I think Brad he had a, a roster that wasn't even that talented, and he took them all the way to the Final Four. Right, and right. Basically, on a bunch of key reserves and role players. Yeah, I mean he's right, but he notoriously, when he doesn't have the big name players, he notoriously kind of starts out slow most of the time. Yeah, he does. There's always that. Early in the season, lost. It kind yeah. of shakes your head, and then, and then right, you're like, right. okay, well, they come back and they beat Duke, and yeah. it's just like, what's going on here? Right. They, they beat Duke, dropping just bombs all over the place. <laughs> Buddy Bayheim going, Buddy Bayheim going nuts. Threes going nuts. <laughs> Mason, what about the Big Twelve? How many Big Twelve teams is in there? I want to say just two, right? Baylor. Baylor and no, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas Tech, and and, uh, and Baylor. Baylor. So that's three. And Kansas. Well, obviously, can I guess I forgot yeah. about Kansas. How the fuck did I forget about Kansas? How, how, how are you going to forget, forget about, about Kansas, man? <laughs> Kansas. 
Well, to be honest, I mean, I am deep into college football right now, so the basketball is going to come here in a second. I'm just messing I mean, with you, Mason. Sorry. Right, so we got, so we got, we got one, Kansas, Baylor, two, we got TCU, three, Texas, four, Texas Tech, five. Yep, there you go. So they, so they have as many as the SEC this, you know, in the preseason poll as well. So to start, that, right. yeah, that ought to be a, a a good, challenging, you know, um, conference to watch well, as well. The, the, the issue SEC, with the Big Twelve, Big 12 is 12 that challenge. the Big Twelve has their top teams, and there's nobody else to challenge them down the list. Right. Did you see today they put out the FanDuel, the national title odds per the sport. FanDuel Sportsbook, um, Gonzaga was one, two was Houston, North Carolina three, Tucky four, and Kansas five. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm still – I know that Hubert Davis put them together last year at the end and made a heck of a run and won the national title in his very first year. But I am just – the way they played throughout the season last year, I, I just – I'm still not – I still want to see – exactly what kind of overall coach that he's going to be well you know he had that run in the you know NCAA tournament had that run in the ACC tournament I just you know he had that one fly by night little run last year and and which he does get Armandi Bangkok Baycock back the the top center in the country um, he he brings everybody back. Number two, Brady. he might be number two. I'm just saying. He brings back everybody <laughs> except Brady Manick, and I think they're going to really miss Brady this year. Um, you know the way he the way he can be a mismatch shooting the ball and and playing on the defensive side of the ball. I just think well, they're going to miss him more than people think. Yeah, but here's my think. Here's my thinking with this. Everybody in, is remembering the run they had to end the season, and they're basing this well, ranking. It's, it's it's primacy and recency. Right? They're basing this ranking off of the last six or eight games, and not okay. what they did throughout the season. And right. I'm, I'm just not a hundred percent sold that Davis can put them together like that again. You know, sometimes you. Uh, you know, and the Big East had their preseason poll come out today. Um, I'm kind of surprised at some of the picks. Creighton was one, which we all knew that because Creighton was in the top ten. But they got Xavier, Villanova, UConn, Providence, St. John's, and Seton Hall. And, I, I you know, the Seton Hall things kind of, I don't know. You know, they're, they're, they're pick seventh. Um, so I played, so I played, I actually played ball in high school against their coach, actually. So, um, Willard. Yeah. Kevin Willard. He was one of my nemesis in high school. Um, his teams were, he was the point guard and I played a different position. I didn't guard him or nothing, but I will say this. About that Big East is Creighton's roster this year is absolutely stacked. Um, if Creighton was going to make a run to the Elite Eight this year, this is the year to do it. Um, you know, and I w- to me, I'd have Nova over Xavier and St. John's because 
I don't trust St. John's at all. Um, they, they flame out early and then they, they get a little run again and then they flame out. And, you know, and I, you know, we had that, we had that discussion last year, even with Providence, you know, they had that great season where they won 18 games or right off the bat. And then they kind of faded out in the sweet 16, the Kansas, but you know, this, this league is ran by Villanova and I, until somebody knocks off Villanova, I'm not going to pick anybody else. Well, but Jay Wright retired, you know. He did. Left. I so, agree. But so that, so that kind of opens the door a little bit. It does, but until somebody beats them, though, it's still their conference, in my opinion. Right. But I think that's why you're seeing Villanova down the list a little bit, is what I'm saying, because Jay Wright's not there. I'll tell you something, too, like with these rankings. People get so twisted up on these preseason rankings. They don't mean nothing in December and October, you know, in November. Um, the only thing that matters is when you're playing your best ball in March. And, you know, that's even Cal Perry says that, you know, these rankings mean very little in the grand scheme of things. That's true. Yep. That is. It's just for fans to, fans to argue about and, and get into it like we're doing tonight and cram ourselves full of useless information. Useless information. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but I'm excited. Like I said, I'm excited about college basketball this year. I think it's going to be a fun year. Um, I think there's four or five teams that can win the whole thing. Um, my favorites right now, I guess I, I still going to put Gonzaga in there. Um, I'm not so sure in Houston because, you know, they had that good year last year and they fell apart in the lead eight. Um, and even though I'm a homer, I'm, I'm still going to say this is probably Kentucky's best roster they've had in three or four years, probably since Carl Towns. So if Kentucky does not win it this year, they'll never, I don't know when they'll win it, maybe next year, but this is probably the best team Cal's had in quite a while. I agree with that statement. I actually think this is probably the best team since Bam and in his bunch. Fox and Monk. Fox, Monk. Fox, Monk. I think it's probably the best team since then, at least, the best roster. Yeah, because you got da- Jacob Toppin, you got uh, Damien Collins coming on, you got Oscar Sheepway, which he's going to do his stuff anyways, and Casey Wallace is an absolute dangerous I to, think, to guard I think on Chris the Chris Livingston's going to be a good player. I think Antonio Reeves is going to surprise a lot of people. Um, um, so the and roster, you got you got C.J. Frederick from Iowa, which he'll be a good shooter when he gets in there. And The roster so. is stacked. Now, I will say this about the roster. It goes about nine or ten deep if there's an injury or two and, you know, whatever. I mean, so it's – they are – kind of limited on the backside of that roster if something was to happen. I'm just now, interested in how they, when they, when the SEC media day, I think it's tomorrow, what's today, the 18th? I think tomorrow they pick for the SEC, maybe tomorrow, Thursday. I'm just interested to see who they pick as the one and two to pick, win the SEC. Um, because, you know, Arkansas's recruiting class, and Tennessee's you know, right there too. Tennessee's right there. I'm just interested to see who they pick. If I had, 
if I had to bet, I'd probably pick Kentucky one and Arkansas two. Um, but that's I think just those on. three teams are going to be right. I just near think the it. Top. I just think it's based on what Kentucky's returning, because I think Arkansas returns a few guys, but mostly it's a lot of freshmen coming in, and you know it's hard to put a lot of pressure on a bunch of guys that's, you know. And, and Arkansas's got some transfer guys. They got some guys coming in, but they did. They got. I, I think they're. I think Kentucky will be because of, you know, bringing back Oscar and and having uh, Severe Wheeler. Severe Wheeler coming back. I Jacob think that Tolliman. has a lot to. That has a lot to do with Danny you know Kentucky Collins. probably being more. So they have some returning players. Auburn would be nice too. Auburn's going to have a good year. I think Bruce Pearl. He always has those boys playing hard. I like, yep. I like Bruce Pearl. He's a he's a fireball. I like Bruce Pearl, and uh, it's I'm hard a, to play. I'll tell you, folks, if you've never witnessed the jungle, you need to watch it on TV. Um, oh yeah, you know because the jungle is a hard place to play now. It ain't just a regular place to play anymore. No, and they uh that when they moved the students to be in across the one side of the the court it and then i mean they intentionally built the uh the arena to where the crowd is sitting right on top of you and they they lowered the capacity size compared to you know the previous arena that's still there but they lowered the capacity size and there is no seat i think there's no seat inside the arena that you are more than I think forty feet away from the boundary. I think that's what it is. Hmm. So, and and that is more of just forty feet, you know, out in front of you, like you're 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 right less right than in forty action. feet away from the boundary. Quick, yeah. So quick, it's quick, built straight up. Right. Quick so, thing before we stop this. You remember the time. I, I always remember for old SEC games and, and such, and this, this kind of hit me because I was I saw it yesterday. Is when Marshall Henderson went into Auburn, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the Ole, the Ole Miss guard, and he was he was taunting them, and yep. you know Marshall Henderson was was a head case at times. Yes, um, but he he was an outstanding shooter. Yeah, yes. But at the same time, he would. He would cause a stir every single play, every arena he went into. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's one of those players that you love him if he's on your team, and you hate him when he's not. Exactly. Like, he, he, he's that guy. He's very polarizing, and so he's either going to be either either you absolutely love the guy, and that generally means he's on your team, or you absolutely hate him, and that's because your team had to play his. That is yeah. so true, because man. <laughs> Speaking of Ole Miss, that, that they'll probably be better than many people think too this year. Right. Um, they they was a sleeper in a lot of people's picks, so I think we'll get to that, Brad. Once the season begins, we'll start. We'll do some. Um, once the SEC media day stuff comes out, uh, we'll go through some of the schedules and stuff. And hey, and when yeah, you get the so, uh, you get the old Ole Miss coach who coaches now at UAB. Yeah, and uh, Kennedy. They actually got a vote. They actually got a vote in the top twenty-five. They got one vote, right, for the top twenty-five. Hey, I like Adam Kennedy. I like Adam Kennedy. He's a good coach. 
Andy Kennedy is one of the better. Andy Kennedy's yes. a good coach. He's an underrated coach. He might not be, you know, on Cal Perry and all these other guys' levels, but he yeah. gets his players ready to go every single night. Kennedy's and, a good yep. coach. Yep, and I can't wait to watch what UAB does because I think they would be – I really want to see them have success because they could easily put the – Well, uh, you've been – you've been just – You've been like Make it run. talking about UAB half the night, man. I know, I know they're hey. five minutes from your back door, but come on, man. <laughs> hey, I'll say this. I'll say this. They got a kid named Jordan Walker. You better watch out for. Him. Oh yeah. I'm just yeah. messing with Roberts because he's been talking about UAB half the night. <laughs> oh, I'm about, hey, 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 just wait, just wait until, just wait until baseball season when I, when they've got a former Auburn player. They got Casey Dunn as their baseball coach. My gosh. That guy's going to change. Are that you saying gonna I'm going to have to listen to more UAB talk? Oh, yeah. <laughs> How about we remind you that UAB beat Kentucky in the tournament in the round of 32 a couple years, years, hey, years ago? Won't you just. Ruin the mood, man. <laughs> well, they did. The Taylor, the Taylor, the Taylor twins. I was, I was yeah. totally having fun till you chimed in. <laughs> if anybody remembers that game, all joking aside, you know, about, uh, everybody about remembers the Taylor twins, the one where they threw it behind the back, behind their head. Yep. yep that was a game that was just meant for UAB to win. Like it was, there were so many crazy things happening in that game. That it just it felt like Kentucky was just meant to lose that game, right? Well, I think that was the during St. Peter's game last year too. Yeah, well, that too, but <laughs> you know, that was when I think Mike Anderson was the coach then. Yeah, he was. Uh, yes, he was. He was. Yeah, the coach. he was. They, they had Mike Anderson at uh at uh, at UAB in the early two thousands. Mo Finley, um, Finley, I'll never forget him. They had Mo Finley, the Taylor twins. They had Squeaky Johnson. Yeah, I was about to say Squeaky Johnson. I remember Squeaky Johnson, Johnson was really good. He was a he was more of a defensive guy. He wasn't more. Right. He, I mean, he was a shooter at times, but he was more of a get in your face. They played they played that forty minutes of hell that Arkansas plays. Yeah, right. Which, and which it paid know. off, but the next week didn't go too too hot. Yeah, Kansas pretty they, much burned them out of the gym. So yeah, yeah. All right, Mason, are you made, still made around? The, made the run. Yeah, I'm here. I just haven't done enough research on basketball yet to right, chime right. in. So I got you, man. It's time to start it's researching, not, bro. Yeah. So just just so everybody knows um, that follows us, we will be doing basketball too. Um, and you know, before too long here in the next week or couple of weeks, I'm the king. I'm the king of the basketball talk. So, so everybody come come at me. Yeah. So in the next couple of weeks. Kidding. We yeah. will be starting a basketball show as well each week. And then when we do our weekend live shows, we'll probably try to split and do um, basketball and football talk um, and do our live show for the week, kind of a recap and wrap-up show. i say something real quick. My favorite time of the year, and, you know, John Roberts can vouch for this, is I love March Madness. But there's nothing, nothing like championship week during Thanksgiving. It's, you know, colder weather's here. You know, you got basketball all over the TV, you know, and there's 
college football games, games NFL. Yeah, it, it's yeah, just like it mixes in. The NFL mixes in with it, and it's just like it's it's one of the greatest times of the season, like in my opinion. Yeah, because during during the day, because it's during Thanksgiving week or whatever. So during the week of Thanksgiving, you have college football. Uh, you know, on the on the bookends of the weekend, plus college football on Thursday, college football on Friday, and you've got uh, you've got the NFL on Thursday, you got the NFL on Sunday, and then during the day, because this is when most of these colleges are playing those those uh, uh, Bahamas or Hawaii tournaments, they're playing during the day, so you've got basketball during the day. And then you've got all these football games that are at night that week. So and then um, you've got basketball games real late at night, like eleven. Like again, or, yeah, again, because it's the Hawaii games and stuff like that that are that are playing. You know, at, it could I be to kind of throw that in there because that's championship week is usually my favorite time of the year, and and conference play gets a little rowdy too, especially during the week. Because I'm a big fan of the whole Big Monday when you got the, you know, Kansas going to Oklahoma. You're you're always looking, or just in general, that little upset on a Monday night. Like, and everybody's thinking, oh, you know, they get in the polls and then all of a sudden somebody gets knocked off the next night. And it's just, that's what makes basketball, in my opinion, fun. I mean, I love football. But basketball can be a lot of fun too if you if you just sit down and enjoy a little bit of it. Oh, basketball is my favorite, actually, John. So I follow basketball. And, and all my Mason life. Mason's going to have to get with the with the basketball pretty soon <laughs> because we're we're not going to deal with this. <laughs> Mason, <laughs> you got to you got to do some midnight research or something. I have to do some research and some. Midnight Madness was last week, right? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I'll get it together. I just uh, been focused on football, and without any of our teams playing this week, I have nothing else to do. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We're all on a bye this week, so I'm, I'm yeah. Study. <laughs> yeah. All no, right, uh, guys, we're gonna wrap this up. Basketball. It's it's been fun. I love getting on here with you guys, and we'll, like I said, we'll continue to do couple of football shows and throw in a basketball show and um, do a weekend recap as well. Uh, and that'll be a live. So um, I just want to say to everybody, we appreciate you coming on and listening 